Hello, and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. And I'm Andy Rao. Andy, welcome to Season 2 of Roll for Topic. You're going to have to explain yourself, Chris, because this is the start of, terrifyingly enough, the fourth year of this podcast. So what makes this Season 2 and not, like, Season 4 or what? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, if we were more organized, it probably would be season four. Um, like, right, we had the the, the mid season break with the the summer of experiments and stuff like that. But um, yes, so we are going to call this season two because um, we are getting rid of the the table of topics. Well, we're we're redoing the table of topics. I hope everyone was like near a fainting couch there and yeah, you know, had someone with have... some smelling salts on on hand to revive them. Yeah, I should have given you more of a warning that there was a, a big a big thing about to drop. Yeah, so when I say uh, getting rid of um, what I'm saying is we're just tweaking it a little bit. So the, the table of topics has traditionally, so this is your very first episode you've ever listened to. Well, welcome. We're glad to have you. Welcome to season two. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, so the, the D10 table of topics um, was very oriented around uh, like questions about like how to do GMing the best way or, you know, like, you know, different ways to approach um, running a tabletop game. What we're doing now with the D10 table is uh, we're going to change this into something that's more of like a design challenges idea instead. And so uh, you'll get to hear hear those as we as we roll on that table or you can just i guess go to the website too if you want to see see what the table is it's, it's always available but the thought here was that uh this should make it a little bit more interesting i think for us because like we've done a lot of talking about a lot of different topics at this point and i think we're both feeling a little bit like we're repeating ourselves about some of those topics so like this is a nice kind of fresh take on this and then also we've i think just realized that we really enjoy doing these sorts of things as we've, we've brought them into the podcast in various ways. I think this will be a fun new thing to try out. Um, if you have any feedback, of course, we're always welcome to listen to it. Um, but what I'm hoping is that it gets uh, people really invigorated to start thinking about ways to to add these like little elements to their games or to otherwise just uh, yeah think about how they would approach the same design challenges that we're talking about. So um, yeah, Andy, do you have anything to add about this? I guess, are you are you excited for season two? I am excited, very excited for season two. We're going to t-shirts. Yeah, I mean, I watched all the trailers. I've been just counting down to uh, the first episode of season two. No, I, I would just expand on your point and say that, you know, this has sort of grown out of our very, of the immense amount of fun we have had doing the live Create a Dungeon episodes, which mm -hmm. are sort of an annual tradition, probably soon to become a more frequently than annual tradition on this podcast. We mm -hmm. love just building stuff on the show, and I think there's some value in uh, exposing our ridiculous creative processes, I think, to other <laughs> GMs out there. So yeah. um, you can maybe see how it's done or laugh at how bad we are, but be inspired to do a little bit better yourself. So Yeah, if you're the one who's like laughing at how we're doing, we actually invite you to come on, on the show because maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe you would do a better job, um, and that would be nice. <laughs> Nice to have we're still gonna roll on the table it's just gonna mm -hmm. uh it's a slightly different table so uh mm -hmm. chris are you ready to uh take us out on our uh, maiden voyage on the new not the table of topics my friends but the table of design challenges yeah we need a much snappier title than that <laughs> yeah we really do all right we'll come up with that yeah let me find a d10 of course i don't have one handy is that a d10 that's a d10 you know, there is a really obscure role-playing game based on uh, Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman's Dark Sword Adventures novel series. Yeah, this is they're the Dragon authors of Dragonlance, but they've done some some didn't catch on quite like Dragonlance 
uh, series as well. Anyway, there's an obscure <laughs> like... role-playing game that anticipating that you might not have weird-shaped dice has a mm-hmm. complicated system for you and one other person to use your fingers to oh. randomly determine a number between 1 and 10. Or yeah. 0 and 10. I don't... <laughs> I don't remember that process, so this is a kind of a worthless thing to bring up. I'm trying to buy you yeah. time to find your details. Oh yeah, no, I found one like basically at the beginning of the anecdote, <laughs> but I, now I'm really stuck on this. I, I guess I just want to know the percentage of times that that the the finger thing just ended up with people like flipping each other off. Oh, one hundred percent of the time, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go ahead and roll. Six. A six, Chris. Today we are being invited to. Invent a love triangle that can be dropped into any town. Okay. <laughs> I guess, like, I shouldn't be too surprised at these because, you know, we wrote them and put them on the table, but I, I forgot about that one. <laughs> Chris that and I of... discussed these at length literally minutes ago, and I feel yeah. like I've never seen this topic caught me <laughs> yeah. off guard, so. Yeah, uh, I guess that's, that's good. I mean, everything's fresh all the time. Um, yeah, so uh, we are going to go into this. So um, I think, like, if you listen to other brainstorming sessions that other people have done or ones that we've done, you'll know that oftentimes these can be a little rough. But I think I think by the that time we're done uh, done with this, that we'll, we'll have something, something interesting for you. Whether or not you'll want to put it in your adventure is a different question. Yeah. So, Andy, I guess maybe we should start by, like, have you had any, like, like fun love triangles or any kind of like romance subplots in any of your games that you you really liked well this is not going to be a helpful answer but no (laughs) that is not a helpful answer at all uh so i'll be totally honest with you i mean one of the challenges of this design challenge Mm -hmm. is uh incorporating romance really at all into a game session because to be Mm -hmm. totally frank that's something that usually does not find its way into my games Mm -hmm. it's not to say it never has played a role but it's rarely a major one mm-hmm. and i don't have any conceptual problem with romance it's just something <laughs> that uh, has never felt like you know quite the right thing for my table so yeah <laughs> i like the way you phrase that conceptual problem with romance we should maybe ask your partner about <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah next <laughs> maybe not have my wife on and she can she can uh, yeah all right uh yeah. let's not go down that uh, that okay. terrible road yeah All right, a love triangle. So dramatically or narratively speaking, what is so fascinating about a a love triangle? What what tensions does it create that are special? Yeah, with a love triangle, like there's there's something about like the energy of of those three people, right? Like, you know, we could even say it's two or four, you know, whatever. Like being so focused on on themselves and the, the collateral damage that could happen because of that. One way to define this would be you just have three people who are interesting in some way who are kind of tangled up with each other and like they cause havoc or stuff is happening around them. We could also approach this in a slightly more fantasy, <laughs> slightly more fantasy way, right? Like it does, I guess it doesn't even necessarily have to be like three people, right? Like there could be three like magical objects that are mm-hmm. entwined with each other or maybe, you know, two people in one object. But I think like to me, the interesting part about this is like, yeah, like how can you create this? This microcosm of like intense, passionate feelings and stuff that that can exist within kind of any other setting, but they they're very focused on themselves and not not outwardly. Do you imagine that that a PC is a, an actor in this love triangle, or is this a love triangle that the PCs like find themselves entangled in 
like as just a complicating factor. I think maybe for this challenge we should we should decide that it's it's outside of the the party, although maybe they can maybe we there's a hook to bring them into it too. Like maybe one of the people you know, catches, uh, catches a PC's eye or something like that. And like, you know, invites them in on a date just to like spite one of the other people in the triangle or something like that. But I think the, the, the idea of this should be separate from, from the adventuring party. So I'm going to ask a couple of other grounding questions here. So why do the PCs care about this love triangle, right? That's like the Mm -hmm. obvious, because there's love triangles in every village the PCs go through. So why is Mm -hmm. this one important? Can we assume we're talking about a sort of D&D-ish fantasy setting, or would you like to do something different? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Maybe let's stick with, yeah, with like, yeah, a a fantasy setting of some sort. Fantasy setting, and maybe let's assume... It's some sort of feudal, <laughs> feudal government, right? Like, you know, like yeah. a feudal town, like just so we, we have some parameters there. I think, okay. uh, I think that's helpful because otherwise, right? Like if it's present day, like they can just go drive somewhere else. Right. So it's yeah. like, let's, yeah, let's stick it to, yeah. Some sort of town, some sort of feudal, like, yeah, like that. Well, I mean, the most basic way to involve the PCs in a love triangle that they're not like members of mm-hmm. is that they need something or depend on someone Mm -hmm. uh, who's in the love triangle. So someone in the love triangle has the power to hurt the PCs or to help them or to get them closer to their goals. Mm, Yeah. Maybe the Duke is in a love triangle. Okay. Yeah. Um, Or maybe it's someone who does not hold, you know, office, but who is just important for helping the PCs get what they want. You know, what I'm thinking by default is that a member of the love triangle tries to use the PCs to edge out their rival in the love triangle mm-hmm. or, you know, something like that. Yeah, I'm almost wondering if there is a way to present a choice to the players in it. We're talking very vaguely. I think we'll start to hone in a little bit. But like yep. maybe maybe there's some sort of central conflict there where the PCs, yeah, the PCs want something and like two of the people in this triangle could get them to that thing. It's up to the PCs to kind of decide who they're going to ally with and then how they're going to help them I guess like let's take a step back. Are we looking for a situation in which the like the triangle can be resolved in some way, <laughs> you know, or like is it really just like the PCs are going to try to get what they want and get out and then let let that thing continue? Yeah, well, I mean, we're going to have to stop talking in generalities pretty soon in order for this to make any sense. But yeah. I don't know if I have an exact answer to that, Chris. But one thing you see in literature and movies cre- that makes the love triangle like that more dramatic is that it creates competing obligations in the members of the love triangle, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it could create a, a conflict between your responsibilities, like your responsibility to your duke or your the mayor because you work for mm-hmm. the mayor. But you have a responsibility to yourself and the person you love because you love them. And when... Tension comes out of you being unable to meet both of those obligations. So is there a way to get the PCs in that vice of like we, you know, we owe person A something and we owe person B something, whether it's loyalty or whatever else, and we are not able to meet both of those obligations. Again, this is maybe a little too general to be mm-hmm. useful but i'm trying to work <laughs> our way eventually to a good hook for something specific something that keeps coming to mind and i don't know if this is a good idea or not is uh notaries being really important in these sort of societies 
like the people that can write and keep records and stuff like mm-hmm. i wonder if one of the, the key people on this could be be that sort of nerd <laughs> i guess it's for lack of a better better term like you know it's so like maybe you have someone who has like bureaucratic power and then if you have like the duke who has like political power i think those are two two points at which there can be a lot of friction so if those two are in some sort of rivalry in some some fashion over some sort of third party that could create a lot of those those hooks and that tension i really like it and that creates that automatically has already made it tough for the pcs to decide who they're going to help you know and who they're not going to help so let's try to get real specific here i like what you said and let's just run with what you said we have some sort of a bureaucrat and we have some sort of like a political ruler who are those people? And more specifically, how can they make the PCs' lives better or worse okay. if the PCs do or don't choose to help them? And we will figure out how they can help later. So um, let's start with a bureaucrat. So yeah. what, what can a bureaucrat in, let's say, a mid-sized fantasy town that the PCs have recently just rambled into, what mm-hmm. can a bureaucrat do? So I think, like, my mind goes to, like, tax collector, captain of the guard, yeah, I mean, someone who in a position to enforce laws that would find the PCs on the wrong side of those laws if they decided to really go by the book. Let's be real. Like every adventuring party, like what they would go down for is taxes eventually. Like, yeah. Right. No, Let, none of let's them do this. I, I yeah. like let's yeah. do something. Let's do something with a tax collector. I like or someone yeah. involved with a tax collector. So wherever this this place is, right, like assumption of some sort of taxes. Yeah. Just just to operate in this town. Right. So like like maybe that. Do you want to get like really specific? Like, could maybe that that person have um, some sort of sway about like how much tax is charged? I guess like they're the ones who get to like decide like, hey, that cart full of goods that you're bringing in, like we're going to write that down as like a, a cart, or we're going to write that down as like uh, there's one thousand apples and five hundred shields and like yep. you know like that sort of thing. Um, what if it was some sort of bureaucratic details about who owns the loot the pcs just brought in from like their last expedition oh okay so right i mean the loot pcs found that got off of monster corpses was Mm -hmm. taken from people that owned it right so what if the pcs come in with bags full of jewels and gems that at one time belonged to some you know family in town or something like that and what i like that what if this bureaucrat had the power to you know either just hand wave it away or to make the PCs account for all of that treasure and, you know, return it and all that stuff. Okay. Yeah. So like, what would this be? Is there a official title for this that like, I don't, I don't know about, like, is this like a money exchanger or <laughs> like, I'm, not, I'm not really sure. I, you know, I like, I mean, really it's a fantasy know. town, so we can, we can decide that this exists in it, but, uh, so who would the PCs go to? They've got all their loot. They need to kind of sell it. So they need to go to someone to like appraise it. Yeah. What if, what if that person has the choice of like, yeah, this looks like this came from the vault of the so-and-so family. Mm-hmm. I could report this and make your lives awfully difficult and you'd emerge with like 10% of this when, when all is said and done. Yeah. Or I can not do that let's yeah let's just call this person the appraiser okay their job is to to basically keep track of like all the stuff in town right and like to get it to the right person and stuff yeah so the the party has just come back with all the stuff they have to go to the appraiser to get it appraised because like no one's gonna no one's gonna buy anything until the appraiser has seen it right like this is their role their role in town um so the appraiser like has to inspect inspect what's what's sold um bought and sold in town 
And what is the love triangle that the appraiser is caught up in? Is it over a person? I think so. I think it's over a person, but we can figure that out in just a little bit. Because I think I want to define the political person yep, a bit too. That, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I think if the, the political person, like, so if you do like the, the leader of the city, like I'm wondering if there's too many levels of like separation between them such that the Duke could just be like, no, just like throw them in dungeon. Like, yep. I don't like, yeah, throw their praise in the dungeon. It's like, maybe it's like the advisor to the Duke or like someone a couple steps down who like has that political power but so the appraiser can make the pc's lives difficult if he starts asking questions about all of the loot they've got who yeah. else can make the pc's lives difficult in a different way so like the captain of the guard yeah could, like can't unilaterally like throw them in a dungeon forever but he could mm -hmm. make their lives hell if he wanted yeah. to i agree with you making it like the king or something is a little bit the scale of the story changes and we don't want yeah. that right now well Let's go with the Captain of the Guard. I, I actually like that. Um, I was okay. thinking along those lines too. Because um, then, like, so Captain of the Guard, right? Like, they, they're they also going to know who's coming and going in town, just as a, a general thing. Like, so the appraiser knows because people are coming to him to, like, what's the stuff you brought into here? You know, we have, need to set a price and stuff like that. Yep. Captain of the Guard is going to know who's coming and going because they got to decide if it's safe, <laughs> safe for them to be there. Both those people could instantly shut you out of the town if they wanted to like the, the guard could kick you out the appraiser could say your gold isn't good here i really like that and both of those roles would be incredibly interested in a party of adventures that came through town yes yeah as part of okay. their jobs yeah can we get more specific can we give some names here and maybe even some personalities to these characters yeah let's do that if we can avoid gender on them i think that might be nice i don't yeah. want to be uh like yeah i think that would just be be useful both for people who might want to use this sometime yeah for <laughs> sometime sure. else and i think will we'll also help us to avoid a couple of like probably some obvious tropes that we might stumble into yeah otherwise. well you know we can just call them the bureaucrat and the captain of the guard as you know okay. and people can if you want to use this you know just tailor it to your setting yeah 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 we can also keep it okay okay so um, okay. uh what what happened with the bureaucrat and the guard um i think they are both in love with the child of the duke <laughs> okay I like right it. yes that's yeah. perfect they're both in love and they can also sense they can also see that marrying the duke's kid would be pretty advantageous <laughs> to their position for for various reasons right like i i like that also because uh as soon as, you know, it is revealed it's the child of the Duke, the amount of trouble the PCs could get into just, like, multiplied by 10. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they will get themselves into trouble. So okay. is the, the, the child of the Duke, are they, like, I don't want to make them passive. What else, I guess, yeah, what do they do? Like, what's what's their role? Yeah, that was my question, too. I mean, it could mm -hmm. be a case where the guard and the bureaucrat are just pining after somebody who doesn't mm -hmm. even notice their existence. You know, yeah. that's, that's one possibility. I guess I like the idea, as you were hinting, of this person having, you know, some agent, having a role in this 12 triangle. Have they just expressed interest in both the guard and the bureaucrat, either innocently or in a deliberate attempt, you know, to manipulate them or something like that? They just, I mean, are they leading on both of these people 
Hmm. Is or does that make them a little? Is that I don't want them to be. They don't have to be sinister. They can be sinister, but <laughs> yeah, I think like we just we have a natural distrust for for any duke that yeah. ever shows up in any any tabletop game. <laughs> well, I'm trying to imagine uh, also. So the child of the duke. So what are they doing going around and like getting to know the praiser who's probably pretty low? Oh, I guess politically important, but probably nobody mm-hmm. likes this guy, right? I mean, I imagine both these people are there at court functions somewhat, right? Like, yep. So if you're the child of, of like, a, you know, the Duke or something like that, like these people probably feel like you're slumming it, right? If you're hanging out with them, you know, they're arguably very powerful and stuff, but they're not like, they're not the Archduke of, of the fantasy, fantasy city to the West, you know, like something like that, right? So like these are, it's like they're not commoners necessarily like that would just be unheard of for the child of the child of the duke but they're you know maybe maybe a step up from there so thinking about literature how this works out in literature you know like when Mm -hmm. you have when you have multiple like suitors you might say for one person Mm -hmm. stories will often position it that like each of the suitors brings an important quality but lacks a second important quality so one of them will be the obviously politically appropriate choice who brings wealth and stability and the approval of all of the, uh, you know, of the ruling nobles. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but they will lack pure love, right? Yeah. And the other one will, you'll, you know, will genuinely love you and be a wonderful and kind person, but lack all of those other things. And hmm. in our fantasy society, it's not necessarily an easy choice. Okay. Is that, right, do so we you... want to do that here or just something different? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think maybe we should start assigning some motives a little bit. So... Okay. Okay, so out of the captain of the guard or this uh, this appraiser, what does your gut tell you? Like, who's the one that would have, like, the true love angle? I feel like the appraiser would be looked on with some distaste by, mm-hmm. uh, by like, the ruling class, I guess. Like, a yeah. necessary evil, but they don't really like him. Yeah. Um, whereas the captain of the guard would seem like a more kind of traditional, safe, kind of conservative choice if that makes sense yeah he probably earned his way up to the ranks and you know he he got where he is by serving his country whereas this appraiser or whatever maybe he's just like a he came into wealth you know he he yeah. might not have the all of the social ties that kind of define your value as like a marriage partner for your kids or something like that mm-hmm. so I'm, what i'm thinking is like how, how hard do you want to lean into that because like that that story you told me that like that sounds right it sounds like uh like a disney version yeah of it which is not necessarily bad well, then right? let's, <laughs> let's, if if this is sounding like the disney version then let's change it I, let's flip okay. it then so okay tell me something that wouldn't be in the disney version of this i think the thing that wouldn't be in the disney version of this well okay modern disney is just all about like doing doing the opposite <laughs> the, yeah. the opposite will still also be pretty safe <laughs> that's right we're like gonna uh, get into inception territory trying to like subvert yeah disney subversions but go ahead yeah right although i mean we should we should we should set aside 40 minutes to talk about encanto sometime but <laughs> <laughs> um next episode next season yeah, how's that it's so good uh the okay so the captain of the guard like that seems like the, the the traditional captain of the guard in in all these stories would be like that like tough you know like tough sort of person like what if the captain of the guard is like is is like a total sap like is totally in love yep i think yeah that that kind of makes sense to me like and what if the captain of the guard is like not corrupt <laughs> like okay, yeah. you know like the captain of the guard is always corrupt it feels like um 
Yeah, so maybe maybe we do that. And yeah, like let's the, do it. Okay, and then the appraiser is... I mean, I don't think we want to make them, like, evil. So what if they're both not corrupt? What if it is not a case of one person is the obvious romantic choice and the other is, like, the sinister schemer? What if they're both pretty well-intentioned towards their love interest? I like that. And they're that. not okay. jerks, like... They're not total jerks. Yeah. We're gonna in a minute. We're gonna have to discover how they are a little bit jerky. But like, let's imagine that it's not like Prince Humperdinck versus yeah. uh, Wesley, <laughs> yes. right? It's yeah, like right. Yeah. two people in between those two extremes. The child of the Duke. I'm coming back to this. I think they need they need something something about them. Um, what if this is the child that is not going to take over the the dukedom or whatever when when the duke dies? Right, like this is like the second or third third kid, something like that. So like it sort of doesn't matter who they marry. It'd be nice if they married someone higher up, but like it's just it's just not on the cards for whatever reason. So yeah, I I kind of like that, but mm-hmm. I also on the flip side, I also kind of like the idea of however this winds up, the like Duke is enraged with the PCs meddling. Okay, like so I don't want the Duke to not care. I don't yeah. want this to lack any um, consequence. Okay. For the people involved. But okay. yeah, let's not make them the, the crown prince okay. who's set to succeed the duke and rule the whole kingdom. <laughs> what is this this is terrible. Like what if it's a yeah, like what if it yeah, so it's not the one the, the crown prince or whatever, but like uh it is the duke's favorite. <laughs> like Oh, I like that child. a lot. Yes, yeah. that's really good. So it's specifically yeah. it yeah, it is that like fourth child in succession, not gonna get mm-hmm. anything, probably gonna get sent to a monastery, but mm-hmm. the duke loves them dearly and they're the duke's favorite yeah and like super protective yes that's perfect this is jasmine from from aladdin okay like like that personality like like this this child is like sneaking out all the time wants to get out dad loves me that's great whatever like but i gotta get out of here you know like whenever i can so like maybe that's how they meet up with with these people so maybe the captain of the guard gets them out (laughs) and then they sell they sell some like you know trinkets and stuff to the praiser in order to have money to go like yeah go around in the city so let's find that point of tension that pulls the pcs into this okay but here's here's a question what does each of these two people believe they need to do to win the heart and hand of their love interest So let's start with the bureaucrat. What does the bureaucrat believe will be the key to winning this person's heart and getting their rival out of the picture? The praiser probably believes that if they can find the right artifact or like generate the most wealth, they can get the Duke's favor enough to ask for the child's hand. But maybe, maybe this is where we can, maybe this is the hook for how you drop this into your campaign is like there there is an artifact or a magical item or something like that that this appraiser has been looking for that the party has. Okay. And they the appraiser believes that this is the thing. This is going to think the thing that will finally tip the scales that the gift of this to the duke will raise their esteem enough in order to to ask for um the child's hand in marriage. So the PCs have sauntered into town and in their bag of loot is an artifact that caught the yeah. appraiser's eye for this purpose. Yeah. Is that what you're thinking? Okay. I think so, yeah. Do the PCs know what they've got, that they've got something special? You know, that'll be up to the GM. I think it has to hurt the PCs to give it up a little bit. It's got to be the the plus three sword you accidentally gave out like seven sessions ago. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's like, oh my goodness, this is the, the Duke's family heirloom sword. Like, you must give it to me. Like, <laughs> okay. yeah, this is this is a matter of true love. How dare you not give it to me? What does the, mm-hmm. the guardsman want? 
the the captain of the guard wants to not be the captain of the guard anymore <laughs> maybe just thinking about waste of all the pc is there like something the captain of the guard wants to have credit for doing that he can't hear that they can't do without the pc's help oh yeah totally there's like a there's a dragon on the edge of town that's been terrorizing the town like subtly and like the captain of the guard like can't can't see how they could possibly take this thing down okay but if they if it you know if the the pcs could help somehow you know make it look like he's the one that killed killed the dragon i like that yeah okay Um, does that feel okay i feel okay that feels like that's good enough for there's ways in which you could help either of them you can probably decide a little bit which one you want to help the child of the duke maybe they're the ones who come to you with with this conundrum um right so like if we're looking for like how do you get the pcs hooked into this i think you can you can hook them in with you know either through the captain of the guard through the praiser it might be more interesting if they run into the child at some point and like the child tells about these like two two people like i love both of them like i don't know how to choose <laughs> choose between them right so like maybe that's that's the way in which the pcs can help help the child is is like is is helping them choose between these two is that too thin like i feel like i don't have a good sense of like what the child is other than like a lovable scamp who escapes the, <laughs> escapes the castle now and then so here's what i i am feeling the lack of right now there's no edge in this. There's like nothing, nothing bites yet. Um, mm-hmm. There's nothing in here that really puts the screws to the PCs. Like mm-hmm. so far we have some sim- fairly sympathetic people who each want something that the PCs can like help them with that would mm-hmm. fall under the normal realm of like kind of adventuring. Right. Yeah. So like, can we make this harder for the PCs? Harder for the PCs to ignore or harder for the PCs in that? Like it really directly affects them what happens. Hard, impossible to ignore. Like how do the PCs get stuck in this thing? Because no one is going to be like, I'm going to wade into this love triangle and try and solve it because I, you know, right? So how did the PCs get stuck in this stupid problem? So here's the thing. Did the PCs give that artifact to the appraiser or sell it to him at a good price? And the guard comes to them enraged, saying, you have just wrecked my whole life, and I'm holding you personally responsible. You've yeah. got to fix this with, by making the love triangle worse. You know, I'm, I'm trying to find yeah. a way that the PCs are like, oh my goodness, how did we get into this? And like, how do we possibly get out of this with our skins intact? The captain of the guard and the praiser don't have the same way in which they're going to try to win the hand of the child then i think you have you have a lot of conflict there so like if they if they are both convinced that they just need to kill the dragon in order to get you know like kill the dragon then the praiser's approach is going to be like i'm just going to get a bunch of magical stuff and go kill this dragon i I want your plus three sword i want like every magical item you have like i'm going to go kill this thing you know the captain of the guard is like well if we go and be heroic and kill it like you know like in in battle like that um right so then you know, whoever you go with in order to kill this thing is going to be mad. Like the other person's going to be mad at you. What if, um, this doesn't feel quite right yet, but I'm going to throw it out here. So what if the PCs are out fighting the dragon because that's what adventurers do? You go out and you Mm -hmm. fight the dragon. It's menacing the town. But these two guys both want, these two people both want to come with you and get the credit or the loot from the treasure when, when they do it. Oh, so this all comes out of the, like, yeah so you you get the the quest of some sort yet to go kill a dragon and then like 
on your way out <laughs> out to go get it you get approached by both of these yeah these so what if one of them yeah. is like hey i'm the captain of the guard i'm a good swordsman i'm coming along with you because this is my town and i gotta protect it yeah and then uh, they also are approached by the other guy who's like look i want to come i just want a thing out of the dragon's loot um you know mm-hmm. i'll i'll help out if i can or whatever take me along and so you've got two people in the who both want to come along and insistently yeah. want to come along and maybe if they don't come along, they're going to follow you anyway or something. Yeah. Or like they're going to cause okay. trouble for you anyway. I don't know. Yeah. They're going to start like, yeah, they might bicker with each other. Right. Cause if they're, I mean, they're both probably aware of each other. Like, I mean, I think we can just say like, they're both, you know, dating, courting the child. Right. Yeah. It's not a secret. Like, you know, it's sort of down to the child's going to pick one of them at some point, you know, based on the Duke is going to give their, their blessing. The child will pick one of them there. Yeah. There's this very obvious, like, kill the dragon become the hero like then you can be you know then you can you can wed the child yeah Um, and so what if these people might have started out as good people but like what's an easier way to solve this than to not have your rival come back from the dungeon yes uh from the the dragon (laughs) attack yeah i think um i don't think we need to spin that out i think that's something that the gm can do so i'm picturing like the whole way there they are mm-hmm. stopping these guys from poisoning each other or, you know, just <laughs> yeah. constant shenanigans, like low level shenanigans. And yeah. then during the confrontation with the dragon, you know, they're going to make their, you know, their move in mm-hmm. some way. And the yeah. GM can figure out what that looks like, I guess, exactly. Yeah. But. So the child still seems pretty passive to me. I mean, like, it'd be pretty cheesy, but I mean, you could just have it like that the child has been captured by the dragon yeah right like well certainly whoever would rescue the the child looks pretty good Mm -hmm. like right it is a little cheesy but i mean this is dnz fantasy we can be cheesy yeah um when we say child i mean i think we're we're both talking about like adult yeah (laughs) adult yeah i mean yeah we're not being weird here sorry yeah yeah we could Uh, i think like i like the idea of of the child being um like maybe also feeling like they could go kill the dragon hmm. too, you know, it's like in, in gain favor, you know, favor with the Duke in order to make their own decision or something like that. Like, like there's, there's all sorts of reasons why any of these three could, yeah, could feel like they need to go. Yeah. There are, there are sort of endless ways here. Like what sprung to mind yeah. while you're talking is the child is out to hunt and kill the dragon mm-hmm. and they're, everyone is pretty sure they're going to get killed or something like that. Yeah. If they actually get to the dragon first. So the PCs who've got to race to the dragon with these two, feuding guys who both want to mm-hmm. feuding people who both want to be the person that like comes yeah. home with the dragon's head right no i think that's great all right and like so i think the like maybe just to close the loop on this because we've been yeah like we're <laughs> we're coming up on time yep this has been a really good conversation but like i think the see i think we have we have the love triangle i think pretty well established right so you have the praiser the captain of the guard and the child of the duke child of the duke is in, in sort of in love with both of them trying to make the decision between them like everybody's sort of in love trying to figure out there's rivalry between the captain the captain and the praiser maybe the child is even like well why don't you just get along <laughs> like, like yeah. right so there's i think the then the additional hooks there you have there's a threat there's the dragon that's just sort of hanging out there that like could happen i think the other way you might play this is with like maybe court intrigue like the Duke is about to announce that the child is betrothed to someone Hmm. that they've made, you know, right. Like, or they have announced and they're like, the wedding's about to happen. And so the, the party is called upon to, you know, get the wedding canceled, you know, or, you know, make some sort of grand gesture. And then they have to decide between the two. Like, I think there's, there's lots of different ways into this love triangle. They could also avoid it, but I think 
if they avoid it and it still sort of happens <laughs> around, yeah. right? Like it'll be, that also is kind of a nice flavor to the town as well. Whatever specifics the GM does, I like mm-hmm. the idea that this complicates something the PCs are already trying to do. For example, yeah. they're already trying to deal with a dragon. And mm-hmm. this has taken a simple dragon hunt and made it a more complicated one. I like that yeah. idea because then you don't have to try and gin up a, a way to force the PCs into a love triangle that they, you know, probably naturally would not be very interested in getting involved in. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, there's a lot of a lot of space here left, a lot of blanks for GMs to fill in. Mm-hmm. But hopefully this conversation has at least inspired you to think about how you might run a uh, fit a love triangle into your game. Yeah. Oh man. You know, if you take this idea or spin it into something cool, take our skeleton and spin it into something cool, we'd like to hear about it. So, Oh, of course. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think uh, this has given me uh, some, some confidence to like maybe try this too. Honestly, like I think I'm with, with you, like you mentioned at the beginning, like this is not, not something that would be in my radar for like, like what kind of conflict could I add here? Yeah. Like, yeah, I have this, have this love triangle, but like, yeah, mapping it out and kind of talking about like how this might fit in, I think is, is interesting. I think, and we didn't even really get into like some of the romance aspects that you could be role playing and stuff uh, right. in there as well. So, yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, All let's right, call well, this one a wrap and mm-hmm. uh, dear listeners, mm-hmm. let us know what you think of kind of this new uh, experimental direction Uh, Mm -hmm. the table of design challenges instead of just the table of topics i have to say looking at the table right now there's some really good ones coming up so Mm -hmm. yeah i hope we get to these soon chris yeah yeah i think so all right well uh thank you all so much for listening um i've been chris salzman i've been andy Rao. and remember if your players are having fun you're a great gm 